Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hello, faithful podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Hey, we wanted to just give you this uh, quick announcement. First of all, I want to say how much we love you and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast on the Potter's House Church here in Virginia Beach. And just wanted to give you a heads up, we're making some changes to this podcast uh, that's going to benefit you and also our ministry here in the Potter's House Church. So just to inform you, we've switched our podcasting host. It's a service called Anchor, and that has allowed us to uh, receive and generate some income through the placement of a couple of advertisements during our podcast. So we just wanted to inform you of this change because going forward, you are going to hear one or two 30-second ads during each podcast uh, sermon. So um, as a result of that small inconvenience on your part, it means that our church can monetize these podcasts and also that means that we can receive some financial support so that we can continue the work of winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. So we just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing these messages. And thank you for your patience as we make this helpful change. We hope you have a great day. God bless. Um... So I remember I was, could have been more than the second or third grade, and I start off with my my part of it, but um, I'll share my sister and my dad's as well. But I remember when it happened. I remember them rolling in the tube TVs, and I remember rolling in, and we also had the TVs that was sitting on both sides above the chalkboard. And I remember when they turned it on, and we was watching the first one. And as we was watching, I just remember seeing the second one flying to into the building. And the funny thing about it was, is as a kid, I was, I was calm, but at the same time, I guess I had kind of given up hope. And when I gave up that hope, it was more so, you know, I had both my parents in the military. So it was, my mom had just got in and my dad had been in for a while. And it was crazy to me because the first thought in my mind was, I'm going to be an orphan. My parents are gone. Like, that was the first thought in my mind. All I knew was that, hey, war is war. That's all I knew. And so as that was all happening, I remember my dad said that he was watching it happen, and he was overseas at the time. And as it happened, he was sitting there, and he was watching it with a couple of guys from the ship, and they was watching it. And he was like, he, <laughs> I laugh about it now, but he was like, he told his friend, he was like, yo, you see these new video game graphics? These are going to be dope. This is going to be a new game. And I'm like, and then, he saw the second one happen. He was like, no, this is actually happening. And it it kind of stirred him a little bit to say, you know, I want to get closer to my son. And, you know, even though it was harder for him, he still made more phone calls. And 
it it kind of during that event it kind of made me go down this path where I eventually got broken to the point where I had no other place to go besides God and it gave me this this kind of you know carried the world on my shoulders and and the hilarious thing about it was well I don't say hilarious the miraculous thing about it was is that I got so low to the point and I remember still to this day <laughs> 3 years ago almost 3 years ago now 3 4 years ago I got to the point where I was so broken I lost my wife kids um and I was just I was angry everything seemed to be falling apart and I remember walking around my house at the time drinking and sitting there saying why me why god why is it that I got to go through this you know I send money to her. I'm doing all the things that you know that the world tells me is going to work. Why is it I got to go through this? And no, those weren't my exact words, but that's that's the gist of what I was saying. And I I challenged God, and you know, and I look back on it how foolish I was to even just challenge God. But if it wouldn't have never been for events like that happening in my life, and my grandmother and my grandfather being true Christians and praying for me, because there's many a times I could have died from the time that that happened all the way up to me joining the military, everything else until that moment where I challenged God. And when I challenged him, it was on a Saturday outreach. Somebody actually came, knocked on my door and they gave me a concert flyer and they gave me a flyer to a revival. And when I came there, I remember I sat in the back, I had a hoodie on, didn't say nothing to nobody, but it was, it was ordained. Um, I think his past uh, evangelist, Tony Chase was actually preaching for, for our conference, for our revival. And, Literally everything he was saying was just on my life. And it was like all the things I was going through, all the hurt. And, you know, I always tell people it felt like God put on boxing gloves and just back there hitting me. And where he was hitting me at was where I needed to be touched at because of the fact that I didn't know that somebody had loved me because it seemed like everybody else had left me. And God had showed me that he loved me right then and there. And if it wasn't for events like that happening in my life, you know, and me being able to remember those things and me going down that path that I went I wouldn't have been able to be the Christian or the man that I am today and be able to tell, you know, younger guys, hey, you know, let go of your anger. It's not going to help you. God loves you. You know, drop your pride and go through, you know, go trust God to go through the process because at the end of the day, eternal life is way better than anything that's on this earth. And yet and still, even if it gets hard, trust him because I've seen him do miracles countless times in my life alone not just in other people's lives i'm not telling you based off of stories in a book i'm telling you based off of my life and my accounts and i've watched them come through for people time and time again if they trusted them and was faithful and you know i thank god for like you said never forgetting and remembering looking back at those times and being like you know what god you were faithful because those are the times that pulled me out of those dark mindsets those dark moments and i thank god for what he's done So um, I can never forget uh, 9-11 because it's my brother's birthday. <laughs> um, so every year we're just reminded that we were spending, it's actually his 50th birthday this year. And so we, um, the year before it, had actually gotten a car accident on his birthday. And afterwards, I always laugh when I tell this because hindsight is twenty twenty. but we said we were at the house and it had been a bad accident. And we were like, the only way we can top your birthday next year is if, we blow up the house. And that was in 2000. So then in 2001, when this happened, it was like, not funny, haha. It was like somber. We were like, oh my gosh, like we were just kidding around. But 
some real stuff went down. And um, my brother is a Marine. He's not active Marine anymore. But when this happened, a lot of you know my testimony is that to get out of my house, I joined the military. And this is pretty much when God opened my eyes to that, I guess you could say, because I had never thought that I would join the military ever. I was not a military girl. I wasn't raised in a military family. And so when this happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go be in the military. And it was two years later, almost to the day. It was I left August of 2003 um, is when I went to boot camp. And um, if I had not joined the military, I wouldn't be here. I don't think I'd be alive because I wouldn't have been saved. And I was very messed up and suicidal. And um, I wouldn't have met my husband. I wouldn't have my children. There are people who I would not have lifelong friendships with in this church. And so, you know, just how horrible this day was. I remember I was a sophomore in high school, walking in and seeing those buildings on fire and the people jumping out of them and how horrible it was and being scared because my dad worked in downtown Dallas. And they said there were other World Trade Centers around the nation that they might possibly target. And I was scared out of my mind for my dad and for other people that I knew who worked down there with him. And the horrible things that happened and all of the wonderful blessings that I have in my life now because of those horrible things that those men did, I'm so thankful for that. And it really is true that God can take horrible things and horrible events and work miracles and appointments out of them. And so, um, yeah, you might be going through some dark times right now and it might be hard. It might be rough and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's there. And God is going to use those circumstances just like he used this horrible event. I know my life cannot be the only one that was touched like that. I mean, even the stories we've heard tonight. And so just remember that darkest of times, God still has a plan for your life. And he still has things that he can work out of those that are good. Well, um, I was... uh I was a third-class petty officer in the Navy at the time. Uh, so for my September 11 story, I have to actually back up about a year. Um, I was on deployment, uh, my first deployment, and uh, we left San Diego August 19th. I, I won't forget these dates ever because it was just such, such a uh, the impact they had on my life. But um, we left San Diego August 19th, 2000. We were supposed to stop in uh, Singapore. They canceled that port visit. Then we were supposed to stop in Hong Kong. They canceled that port visit. Then we were supposed to stop in Pattaya Beach, Thailand. They canceled that one. Then we were supposed to stop in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. They canceled that one. We went straight to the Persian Gulf. And so uh, we're, I mean, at this point, we've we've been out to sea for like two months straight. And they were teasing us that we were gonna pull in to, uh, to Bahrain. We were like, oh, finally, well, just p- get us off this ship, you know, pull, pull in somewhere. You know, we, you know, we've, we've seen land in the distance, you know. <laughs> um, and October 12th, 2000, as we're preparing to pull into port, some of you Navy folks already know the date I just mentioned, October 12th, 2000, we got word that the USS Cole was bombed. And, uh, we were in the Persian Gulf. They were in. They were just down the street from us, basically, in Aden, Yemen. 
and they started flying you know the some of the 17 sailors killed instantly and uh they started flying some of them onto our ship i was on the abraham lincoln they started flying some of them to us medevaced them and we uh we were all told that that this terrorist organization called al qaeda had carried out this attack and so they didn't let us off the ship until christmas and they only let us to step onto the pier in uh, Dubai there for a little bit and get right back on the ship. And, um, and so, and, and when we got off the ship, you know, a lot of sailors, you know, guess what they do, you know, but you could just hear everybody was just so deeply affected by the coal bombing. And so we, we, you know, we eventually, we come back home. It's, uh, we, you know, we come back home off of deployment. It's uh, mid-2001 by the time we get home. And then same terrorist group carries out this attack. I remember, I'll never forget that morning. I, I woke up and, you know, I went, uh, I was getting ready to go to PT because that's what we did on Tuesdays. And um, for some reason, the TV in my house was on. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. I don't know why the TV was on, but the tower's burning. What in the world? And so I, and so I finished getting dressed. Getting, go, I go up to PT. I, I show up at the gym uh, where, where we're all meeting, and everybody's gathered around the TV. And as I step in, and I mean, and everybody knew right then, this isn't, this wasn't an accident. And, um, and so the people in my command, you know, all our, all our top brass were like, uh, guys, PT's canceled. Go get your uniforms on and we'll meet at the hangar. And so, and so we, we, uh, I ran home, got my uniform on, rushed up to work. And by the time I got there, we had, uh, you know, heard on the radio this is a terrorist attack. It's and um, and Al Qaeda is claiming responsibility, and I knew who Al Qaeda was, and and so I got to work, and you know, I just I, I remember I went straight to my top commanders and stuff, and I said I don't know what we can't do anything from this stupid hangar in California. Can we please go to New York or D.C. and help those people, please? And they said, look. All air traffic is grounded. We're not going anywhere. The The most we can do is we're all going to start working 12 on, 12 off from now until further notice. I was like, fine, give me an airplane to fix or something, you know. <laughs> so, um, but this day uh, affected the the uh, me staying in the Navy. I was planning on getting out at the end of my enlistment, which was in 2002, just right after this. I stayed in. I got transferred to the East Coast. By that time, I was backslidden. I'd gotten saved in 1999. I was backslidden by by 2002, and I ended up on the Virginia Beach oceanfront backsliding, <laughs> doing what young, newly single sailors do. <laughs> uh, and somebody from this church approached me and gave me a flyer. And, uh, and that was June of 2002. Uh, fast forward. Um, I 
finished my time in the Navy 2008. I get out. I get a job at the same place I work at now, BAE Systems Shipyard over in in uh, Norfolk. One of my coworkers, Miss Laura, she was on the USS Cole. And uh, nicest lady you ever want to know. And uh, she was, uh, I didn't find this out until a couple of months ago. Uh, I mean, I knew she was on the USS Cole. But she, uh, how many remember what happened down at the courthouse a couple of months ago? We now have shirts that say VB Strong. You see that everywhere, right? Because a shooter. Miss Laura, her daughter, was in that building when the shooter came through. And she survived. And so Miss Laura, she's been, she's never been to see a counselor about what happened on the USS Cole ever. She's internalized it for years and years and years and I mean and it's affected her health I mean it's it's just it's really messed her up you can tell and so she's never really talked about it with anybody so after the shooter comes through the uh, Virginia Beach courthouse and uh, I, I she mentions her daughter was in the building and her daughter got out I mean, she just happened to say this to me in passing one day. I mean, it was like the day after it happened. She was there. She was at work. And um, and it was like she finally opened up to somebody, to me. Because I said, you know, I said, Laura, I, I can't believe what you're telling me. You were on the USS Cole when it was bombed, and your daughter was in the courthouse when the shooter came through. Both of you survived. If there's anybody on planet Earth who's able to minister to your daughter, it's you. The tears started flowing. And uh, not long after, she, she, uh, she went ahead and resigned from, the, from, from my workplace. And she's now basically just being there for her daughter to help her get through... And, they're, and so they're kind of ministering to each other. But I followed the string of events back. She wouldn't have done that had I not talked to her. And I wouldn't be there unless I re-enlisted the Navy, got, you know, and ended up at this church and got out of the Navy and decided to stay in Virginia Beach because everybody said I should have went back to L.A. because that's where I was from and that's what normal people would do. But I knew God had a calling on my life to stay here. And so I stayed in Virginia Beach, got that job, ended up talking to her. We and and, um, and I just followed the string of events back. You just never know. That's all I have for you. Well, God bless you, Dave. I uh, I don't think I have one quite as lengthy as that, but basically. I was working night shift in pediatric intensive care unit. And so when you work night shift 12 hours all the time, um, you kind of get just obsessed with sleep 
and going to work. You know, I don't know if anybody's worked night shift. But anyway, um, when this happened, I was on a day off, and I was on my way to bed, and I saw the saw the news. And um, so I ended up watching it all day. And the thing that that totally blew me away was how much I felt that not only was this an attack on our country, but it was pure evil. Because I watched, yeah, I can't hardly ever find this the footage anymore. But uh, when the when the planes went into the buildings, all this black smoke came out, and it went rays went way high, and it looked like demonic faces. And um, I was just like, you know, I was I was numb. I was praying. I was crying, and I was saying, you know, how can this evil come on on to our country? And so. Um, my church had a prayer meeting that night and I went to it and it was amazing, but I still, you know, was just fascinated by this whole event and I just was watching every show and whatever newscast and all this on it. And, um, the thing that, that started coming out was that all these hundreds of people on the morning of seven eleven, or yeah, 9-11, 7-11's down the street if you want a Slurpee. Um, <laughs> but 9-11 is, is, uh, uh, was how many people were missed their, their trains, got stuck in traffic, were sick that morning, had something come up that they missed their ride, had something come up that their car broke down. And so there's hundreds and hundreds of people who didn't make it to work at the towers, which, you know, I thought it was a miracle in itself because it was probably another thousand people, you know? It was more than that. Yeah, I knew that. So anyway, it, it was it was just amazing. And then you saw, I, I just, my heart just felt for the, the fire guys and the EMS people that, you know, pretty much went up the stairs when everybody was going down and died. And I, as a healthcare worker, I thought, geez, would I would do that? I, I probably would. <laughs> and the stairs would have just killed me. No, just kidding. Anyway, um, so the, with this, this feeling of this complete evil that I got from the attack and from the people who did it, you know, I just said, God, how could you allow this to happen? But just the same thing, what God meant for, what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good, just what Joseph said, you know. And um, so, you know, these evil faces in the smoke and all that. But through it all, we became a stronger nation, at least for a while. More people came to church, at least for a while. And, the, and a lot of people got involved in the military and made big changes in their lives, that one guy that was a professional football player, didn't he join up after? Uh, yeah, Timmons? Pat Tillman. Yeah, and so all these wonderful people, you know, got strong and went forward and, you know. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm just grateful that as a nation, we came together uh, at a time like that, that I didn't think was possible. And now it seems like 
our nation's like even more sp- spread apart. So, but I know God's in control, so I'm not going to worry about it. But um, if it had, if that would happen today, I'm just curious what would happen to the people who need puppies to put up with um, the fact that they are in a, you know, I don't know, you know, the puppy, you know, the they got therapy puppies for college campuses because, you know, there's something that they got upset about. They got their little, they, they got their upset about a little something, you know. I just don't understand why we can't have kept that going for our children because now they're so self-absorbed and but God's got it under control but I'm really proud of all of you and thank you for sharing and I really didn't have a whole lot to share other than I I couldn't get over the smoke the smoke I watched that over and over and it was like incredible and then the 93, is that the one that went, landed in Pennsylvania? That was an amazing story. So, anyway. So, thank you. Amen. Tonight, um, as we close out this service, I want to give you uh, one last story. You know, there's so many stories that come out of this that are just incredible. And those are the things that I think we need to remember. That Those are the things we need to hold on to there was a uh, 24 year old um, equities trader who worked in the south tower he called his mother that day and left a message and he said mom this is wells i want you to know that i'm okay Uh, he worked on the 104th floor but after that call the man who was a volunteer firefighter in his teens made his way down to the 78th floor sky lobby and became a hero to strangers uh, known only as the man in the red bandana. These are some quotes from people who saw him that day. Amid the smoke, chaos, and debris, Crowther helped injured and disoriented office workers to safety, risking his own life in the process. Though they couldn't see much through the haze, those he saved recalled a tall figure wearing a red bandana to shield his lungs and mouth. He had come down to the 78th floor sky lobby and alcove in the building with, uh, w- with express elevators meant to speed up trips to the ground floor. In what's been described as a strong, authoritative voice, Crowther directed survivors to the stairway and encouraged them to help others while he carried an injured, injured woman on his back. After bringing her 15 floors down to safety, he made his way back up to help others. Everyone who can stand, stand now. Crowther told survivors while directing them to a stairway exit. If you can help others, do so. He's definitely my guardian angel. No ifs, ands, or buts. Because without him, we wouldn't be sitting here. Survivor Ling Young told CNN, Crowther is credited with saving at least a dozen people that day. His body was later recovered alongside firefighters in a stairwell heading back up the tower, carrying a Jaws of Life rescue tool. So in the midst of incredible heartbreak and tragedy and evil, this is what we need to hold on to tonight. Let's bow our heads for just a moment and close our eyes.
I described the story of just this one, this one person who heroic, heroically saved 12 people and went back up when everyone else was coming out. And I just want to remind you that there was someone who put himself in harm's way so that you and I could survive also. And that is God's only son, Jesus Christ, who had position and prominence and a place of authority in heaven at the right hand of the Father, but chose to put himself in harm's way to come to this earth. He chose. Nobody took his life from him. He chose to go to the cross. He chose the nails. He chose the crown of thorns. He chose crucifixion. He went into the danger so that you and I could be rescued from our sins, from our certain death. And before we leave this place tonight, what better way to remember the sacrifice of others than to acknowledge the sacrifice that's been made for us personally on the cross. These acts of heroism and these acts of sacrifice point us to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And tonight, I wonder if there's anyone here this evening, your heart's not right with the Lord. You've heard testimonies tonight about how these other folks have, their journeys have brought them to places and they had to repent of their sins and trust in the Lord. And maybe that's you tonight. Your journey has come to this point. You're not saved. You're not right with God, but you want to be. It would be a great night to introduce you to the Savior of your soul, Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'd like you to lift up your hand quickly. Say, please pray for me, Pastor. I need salvation. I need my sins forgiven. Is there anyone at all perhaps backslidden in your heart tonight? You're wandering from the Lord or you've forgotten You've forgotten all the wonderful things He's done for you and you're living in the power of your flesh, living according to the world's standard and you've walked away from the Lord tonight. It's time to get it right. It's time to get your heart right tonight. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Is there anyone at all quickly this evening? Amen. Tonight, I want to encourage you. We're going to open up this altar for prayer for just a few moments. And in that story of Mr. 24-year-old Wells going back up the stairwells to rescue more people. I want to encourage you tonight that that is a very good example of what the Christian life ought to be about. That we are called, beloved, we are called to be the ones going into the fire to pull out just one more. Just one more. That's what we do. Well, that's why we live lives of sacrifice. That's why we give our tithe. That's why we go on outreach. Just one more. Lord, I want to carry one more out of the fire. I want to see one more rescued. And I wonder if God would raise up, if, if God could use this terrible tragedy of September 11th to inspire us one more time to see that there is true evil in this world there is evil in the work of our uh, working in the lives of our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. But you and I have the ability to rescue them. I wonder if we could stand together in this place. We're going to open this altar for prayer. Maybe the Lord's leading you, challenging you. As we remember the heroics, as we remember what God has done, the miracles, let's rely on Him again tonight. 
We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Two thousand one. I think one of the greatest mistakes of our culture in the time in in the days that passed after nine eleven was I don't know if you can remember this, but I can remember clearly as as the president spoke to the nation, President Bush at the time, and he said, "Go back to normal life." He said, "Go back shopping." He said, "Go buy a car." And uh, yes, we were all rallying together. We all had our American flags. I remember flags were everywhere after, that, after those few weeks. That all of the politics, all of the fighting subsided. The churches were full. If you were a Christian at that time, you know that every church service was full on the following weekend. Prayer meetings started striking up. And for a brief moment, we saw the true nature of our culture. We saw the Judeo-Christian values come to life. We saw people going to ground zero and suffering for hours and days at a time just for the slight possibility that somebody was there under the rubble. But I fear that in those 18 years that the words that are on that image are becoming less and less true. We are forgetting because of the passage of time and because there are generations rising up younger than us that don't remember it. And so this, is, this, is, this service tonight aims to be a remembrance, a memorial. Not to depress everyone and bum everybody out, but to remember the miracles that God did. Because this is what we find in our scripture tonight. We find a commandment to keep our eyes fresh on those things which we've seen and which we've heard. Let's read them together. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9 says these words. <clears throat> Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And, the Bible says, teach them to your children and your grandchildren. I'm going to read this one more time to let it just soak in a little bit this evening. It says, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We come on this solemn day, God, a day that our nation was attacked, that our culture and our values were attacked. And God, I'm asking you tonight that as the people of God and as your church, that we would have fresh eyes, God, not just 
so that we can remember and we can wave the American flag and be patriotic. But God, we understand tonight that you are at work through it all, that you are the God who desires to bring revival. And I'm praying, God, that revival would take place as a result of remembrance. And tonight I pray, bless this service, bless your people in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. So tonight, uh, be prepared. We're going to open up the microphone this evening and give you a chance to tell your 9-11 story. So uh, in just a few moments, we're going to think about that. So tonight, I want to uh, give you a few things that I believe the Bible instructs us to remember. The Bible is a book of remembrance. If you are a student of the Word of God, you will find that the Bible repeats itself. It repeats itself. Uh, It's interesting to me that, you know, we we have the separation between Old Testament and New Testament, but if you're a student of the New Testament, you will figure out pretty quickly that the New Testament is full of Old Testament Scripture references. That when Jesus spoke, He was referencing the laws of Moses. That when the apostles preached, they were also calling on the prophets and the laws of old. That one of the, the, the first sermon that was preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost was a sermon out of the book of Joel. That the day Stephen was martyred, that he used the opportunity as he had the ear of the crowd that day to remind them of the history of the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. And in that same spirit tonight, it is valuable And it is worthy for us to remember. One of the greatest mistakes of many people in our culture is to pretend that the world got started the day that they were born. To pretend that any history before 20 years ago is meaningless and not worthy of our attention. There are so many in our culture today who... Uh, uh, who, who are, as a result of our failed public school education, man, I, I remember uh, after graduating high school thinking I was prepared for life and being sadly disappointed when I figured out that there's a whole lot of things I still didn't know. There's a whole lot of American history I still didn't know. There's a whole lot of lessons that previous generations had fought and won and, and paid a price for that I had no idea about. That's why tonight, you and I have to have a commitment to lifelong learning. If you are not a learner, I feel sorry for you. If you are not a student, if you don't have intellectual curiosity or spiritual curiosity, it's not going to serve you well in the kingdom. It's not going to serve you well as a human being in your family. What we must do is, according to the Word of God, is we must begin to remember. We must begin to remember. Our Scripture says, take heed to yourself. Do you know what that means tonight? It means check yourself. It means you better be careful. You need, we need this warning, right? Right? We need to be warned about ourselves because if we act in this way that like the world was invented 20 years ago, we are missing out on so much wisdom and understanding. Diligently keep yourself, says the Word of God. 
And how is it that we are to accomplish those two things? How can we take heed to ourselves and diligently keep ourselves? Well, it says, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. The reason why that we have our, our flags at half staff on September 11th is for this purpose. So we don't forget the things our eyes have seen. For me, I can remember uh, driving to work in Arizona. It was pretty early when it took place. It was about 7, 7 in the morning. I was driving. I was on the freeway. I heard a radio report. And, uh, and they said uh, there's a terrible tragedy. A plane has run into World Trade Center. And as I arrived to my workplace that morning, I was working in a warehouse. They already had the TVs. I remember, you know, back in the day, they had the, the big old tube TVs, and they had to strap it to the top of the rolling cart. Y'all remember those, right? And they had done that. They'd taken, taken it out of the lunchroom and set it in front of what, where all the desks were at my workplace, and they had, it, they had it rolling. The second plane had already crashed by the time I got in. And immediately, everybody there knew we're under attack. And if you remember that feeling, a feeling of helplessness, a feeling of where can I find an M16 and who can I find to point it at, <laughs> there was a feeling of why is this happening to us and a powerlessness to really do anything about it and how it played out in our nation. And so this is our scripture tonight, that, our, that we should not turn our eyes and we should not let the passing of time fade how we feel. This was God's command to His people. The scripture that we're reading, the context is that God has given His law to His people. And He is, he is predicting human nature to a T. Because, how many know we are forgetful people? We are forgetful people. That's why, you know, uh, you, can hear, you can hear the same scripture preached about four or five, ten different times, and it's still okay. You're not going to get repeats. Because each time that you hear a certain scripture preached on, you're getting a different angle. Maybe a different pastor preaches about it. Maybe the same pastor preaches the same sermon from ten years ago. Maybe he pulls it out of the archive. But the, the, the thing is that our situation changes. It's not fresh. You can learn things and you have to relearn things. In the business world and in the commercial world, if you have a certain license to do work, you know, you have to take refresher courses all the time to maintain a license. If you have a license, for, for example, uh, in my field of work, uh, Apple technicians. If you're a certified Apple technician, you have to go every year to take another class to remain certified. And if you let it lapse, then you have to pay extra to get it renewed. And that's because they understand human nature. God understands human sinful nature is to forget. To fail to remember things. And that's why God has given them this warning. As soon as the word is preached, as soon as the law has been delivered, He says, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. A few things that we must remember tonight. We have to remember the slavery. So often, 
the people of Israel forgot where they came from. So often, God had to remind them, don't you remember that I brought you out of Egypt? Don't you remember the terrible circumstance that you were in for 400 years and that you probably would still be there? Don't you remember the chaos of not holding your own future in your own hands? And don't you remember the feeling of helplessness? God often had to remind His people of the slavery. You know, I find, uh, I find this is very helpful for people who come to me and complain. Better be careful if you start complaining to pastor. Because I'm going to start reminding you of a few things. Well, at least you're not on your way to hell. Remember the slavery. Remember what life was like before you were a Christian. Remember what it was like when, you still, when God was still angry at you because of your sins and you were on the receiving end of His wrath. You know what that does? Changes the perspective. Changes how we think about things. It is helpful for us to remember. That's why outreach is so powerful. When we go on outreach and we evangelize, what we're doing is, yes, we're, we're sharing the gospel message, but part of sharing that message, hopefully, is you sharing your personal testimony. You knock on somebody's door and you say, nice to meet you, I used to be a sinner. I remember what life was like before I got saved. It wasn't good. I was a slave. I was messed up. My relationships, I was addicted. On and on it goes, right? And God saved a sinner like me. It is helpful for us to remember the slavery. It is also helpful for us to remember the challenges, the attacks. When it came to the people of God, as God gives them uh, this, this word in Deuteronomy chapter 4, He is giving them a specific thing to remember. If you study this chapter a little bit more, it said in verse 3, same chapter, he says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to, you, to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. So there was a, there was a challenge in front of the people of God. And yes, they'd been delivered out of slavery. God had brought them out by the blood of the Lamb. Brought them out through the splitting of the Red Sea. But how many know the promised land was filled with challenges? Filled with giants. Filled with the temptation to follow after the false gods that were all around them. And so God is telling them, you need to remember what I did. Remember how you were challenged. Remember the Amalekites who came against you. Remember the Baals that you were tempted to follow. Remember the challenges, the attacks. And on a day like today, September 11th, that's what we are doing. We are remembering the challenge that came against our culture, against our way of life, against our nation. We remember the attacks, but so much more than that. You know, on, on our way back from Boston just last week, we stopped. Uh, our team, we, we were driving back through New York. We took the time on a, on a rainy day to go see the 9-11 memorial site. And today they have, um, they have the footprints of the two buildings. And where they, were, where they stood, they have the, the square footprints. That, there's like a fountain that pours into the ground. It's a really beautiful site, but you can really feel the weight of it when you're there. 
Because they have all the names printed on the side of those fountains. All the names of people who perished that day. Nearly 3,000 of them. And as you're standing there, and, uh, and you know, it used to be these amazingly huge buildings, and now you feel the weight of that. You feel the challenge. But listen, that is part of who we are. That is part of who we are as a country. It's part of my personal story because I want to tell you that it was, it was during that time that I got really serious with God. It was during that time, you know, my first instinct was, where's the local recruiting office? And I had to pray and say, God, do you want me to go join up? Because I will. But God showed me that I could serve Him in a more proficient way by committing my life, joining up in discipleship. And that's what I did. I remember the day after it happened. Uh, no, it was, a, it was on a Tuesday. So it was the day that it happened. I began calling people. Let's have a prayer meeting. We opened up the church. The Wednesday night, after the, the service, or after the, the attack, I remember those, those a few weeks how packed the church was backsliders coming back to church, people getting serious with God. But for me, it was so clear. God said, I want you to double down on your commitment to me. So yes, a a terrible, tragic day, but so important for me personally. I wonder if I would be standing before you tonight unless that attack had taken place. We remember the attacks because the reason is that God makes Himself known through challenges in your life. Isn't that true? How how many miracles has God done while you're sitting on the couch? You know what I'm saying? How many miracles has He done when when you had enough money in the bank to pay all your bills? The miracles are when the challenges occur. And I believe tonight, that's why we must remember them. A third thing to remember is to remember the miracle survival. The survival. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, I forgot who it was, but you can sum up all of Jewish history in this way. They tried to kill us. God rescued us. Let's eat. Pretty much all of Jewish history right there. But it's so true. Almost every story in the Word of God, they tried to kill us. We survived. God saved us. Let's have a party. Every Jewish holiday on the calendar, Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, all of them related the, the six-day war, right? The moment that, they, uh, that, that uh, the, the Arab world comes against Israel as a newly formed nation they try to wipe them out, stomp them out in the, in, in the very uh, uh, beginning of their existence. They tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. <laughs> and to this day, God has been protecting His people. But I want to tell you, it's not just for the Jews in Israel. It's for all of us who are counted members of the community of faith, the household of God. Do you remember how God kept you? How God keeps you. 
He says, don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. One of the dangers for Christians is that we, we maintain or we plateau and we get to a certain level of success and revelation with God and we just coast. We just coast. And we, we remember the miracles of the old days. God's not active anymore. It's a mistake for us. We have to remember the miracle survivals. And finally tonight, what must we do with these remembrances? Our Scripture says, remember these, uh, He says, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. See, this is why family is important. Family is the nuclear unit of any society. And as the family suffers, so the society around it suffers. So many of the problems that we see today in our culture is a result of broken homes, broken families, broken marriages. And because homes are broken, we are not able to transmit the values and the memories that, we sh- that have shaped us. This is much of the reason why so many of our young generation uh, has that assumption that life began the day I was born. The world began only 20 years ago. They have not, the, the values, the memories, the, the, the teachable moments have not been transmitted. But listen, I declare to you tonight, that's why we're here. That's why part of the reason why the church exists. Can I tell you that this book is 2,000 years old? Parts of it are 3,000 or 3,500, almost 4,000 years old. But this book still has power to transform our lives, doesn't it? The stories that are here, the truths that are here, the people and, and the accounts that we find in these pages are just as alive in 2019. But they're only alive when we transmit them. If it sits on the shelf, it has no power. But when we transmit, when we teach to our children or to our spiritual children, our disciples, our converts, when we sit down with them and we say, let me show you this story, it comes alive. And it is transmitted from one generation to the next. Let me ask you tonight, who are you transmitting your supernatural memories to? Who is it tonight that is the recipient Who is the receiver? Who are you teaching? Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. I want to challenge you tonight. We have an opportunity not just to remember, but to transmit. And on this uh, day, as as we remember this tragedy that, that occurred, it is so critical for us, not only to remember the things and how we felt, but to transmit them, to record them, to pass them on to another generation. Can we give God praise tonight? Hallelujah. So I would love to hear some stories from that day that took place, and I want to open up the microphone, and we have about 15 or 20 minutes uh, to hear your account, your story. If you have, uh, want to share a miracle of what God did Uh, Through that time, uh, we would love to hear that tonight. Marquita, you want to come up?
Let's welcome her as she comes this evening. Um, basically, when that happened, um, and for 9-11, I was only a teenager in high school. Everybody was, like, scared to death because they didn't know what to do. They were, like, in shock because they felt as if it was going to be us. Miracle happened was that it didn't come to us, but they said something about it was in Richmond that somewhere Richmond or Washington, somewhere it was going to get us. Um, basically, what happened, what changed me the most is that a lot of people in my school changed. The education was, it was different. A lot of people were distressed and stuff. It it, it took a lot out of me. And I, 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 I didn't agree with some of the things that happened with 9-11. Because I'm from New York. And um, it never used to be this way. And, um. It put a hole in me because, you know, it was it wasn't as bad as it was and all those people are dead. But the miracle thing, I thank God that I'm alive, you know, but still all those people died for the sacrifice just helping those people. Thank you. Hey, anybody else wanna share an account? How that day affected you, how it changed you? Yeah, Mr. Lonzo? Yeah, I remember exactly where I was. I was working at Oceana Dental Clinic, uh, and I was in the reserve. And Zion, I think he was, may have been about two years old. And by me being in the reserve, uh, there's always that possibility if a war break out that you would have to go. And six months later from when that uh, that happened, exactly six months, I was I was being deployed and it was kinda hard, you know, you know, there it is, you got a young baby boy and you know, you're gonna leave your wife with two teenage boys and it was it was rough, but uh the people around me they was all broken, and uh, yeah, you know, you might not come back. You might die. I said, yeah, that that you know what happened in the war. They, they were like, well, why why are you so why are you so calm? And you know, it was like, uh, well, I'm a Christian, you know. <laughs> I know I'm not gonna live forever, so if this is my time to go, it's just my time to go. I, it was like at peace. Even you know, I don't even like flying, but I was on a plane for like 23 hours. Then they, yeah, I mean, it was like. Okay, I slept, <laughs> wake up, sleep again, wake up, sleep again. I'm like, man, can we hurry up and get there? You know, I want to get back on the ground. But, and, and we were there and in the middle of the night sometimes, you know, if there's tiring or you get the alarm, you got to jump up and, you know, you got to get out of your tent and go jump into into a hole, you know, so you won't get, <laughs> hopefully you won't get blowed up. But, you know, and everybody was like, hey, man, they were screaming, oh, man, you know, I don't know how my wife responded. I said, man, I write my wife every day, and it's been two months, and I have not got one letter, but I know my wife is okay because she's saved and she's born again. So I'm not, you know, hey, 
if something happened to me, she taken care of. She know Jesus, you know. So, I, like I said, it was, it was just like a peace over me that I promised I wouldn't have had if I hadn't been not been saved. So, God show you peace even in the midst of a storm. Amen. Thank you. So, oh, Amanda, yeah. So while you're speaking, if if you also want to give a testimony, why don't you come and sit on the, the front row so we can on deck circle right there. Thank you. It's uh, funny that you did this sermon today because um, I was thinking back um, while at work and talking to some coworkers, you know, just kind of where we were at. Um, I was actually in California. Um, I remember exactly where I was, what I was sitting um, in class when we had heard uh, about the towers. Um, two days later, I actually, now that I think about it, I look back and I know um, there was a fellowship church. Um, for there were some students that were going to a church in I think it was the Chula Vista church that were going to my school and I just remember them being so active in kind of just outreaching and being a comfort to those people you know who were affected um, the class that I was in a teacher had a scheduled meeting right there at the um, World Trade Center for something he was doing um, for some organization, but it got canceled. So it was just like, wow, just seeing that happen. And then we had students um, that had parents in the towers. And it was just crazy to think that, you know, being so far away um, in California and having people affected, it just kind of in the back of my head, like, man, you know, people everywhere you know, are, are affected, and, um, there's something else, oh, just, just being in the military, uh, you know, my dad being in the military, I've never seen the community just come together so close, because there were so many people who had parents that were there, um, and whatnot, and just seeing everyone come together, that's always, you know, something I remember about 9-11 was just the, the community coming together.